There we go. Um, so I'm going to start with, um, I don't normally give messages a title, but I thought, you know, Jonah, Jesus, Jamaica, and I would have said Gillingham, but it doesn't write, you know, so us, just had to put us, because we're not in Kent, are we? No, but that, I'm sure that gets confused a lot, doesn't it? Anyway, but um, yeah, wanted to, sorry? It's a capital offense. All right, shall I leave? <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to, to look a little bit at the book of Jonah and, and some of the messages that, that, that comes from that. But, uh, you know, you guys are in this new building and it's a time of transition, isn't it? And often when you're in transition, you're trying to work out how things all fit and work and there's a, you know, everything gets thrown up in the air. You know, for us, obviously, going to Jamaica, adjusting to a whole different culture was a bit interesting. This year, Liz and I have been on sabbatical and we've been traveling. We went sort of to Australia because Liz's family are there for six months and they came here. And, and everywhere you move around, that things are just done differently, and it can um, sometimes create a bit of confusion. So I empathize, flick up the next slide, with there was a guy who got commissioned to go and sell cola in Saudi Arabia. And so he turned up, and he thought, all right, well, I don't speak the language, so I'll just use images. And so he just got this, had this guy, image of the guy flat out in the desert, you know, completely exhausted, then having a drink of this wonderful cola, and then as you can see, he's springing up and you know, revitalized. So it's the message fairly clear, isn't it? The problem was he didn't realize that in Arabic you read from left to right. <laughs> yeah, right to left, yeah, that's right. Yeah, right to left. Thank you for spotting the obvious error. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of changes the message, doesn't it? Um, I was interested, there was a, uh, an experiment, actually, they did where getting people to tap out well-known songs, so you'd sort of tap the rhythm, and, and the other, you're trying to communicate this song to someone else, and all they can hear is you tapping. And they sort of said, you know, how, how many songs do you reckon you could get across? And they sort of had 50 really well-known songs. And people thought, oh, you know, maybe a third, maybe a half, that kind of thing. But it was, it was between 2 and 4% their success rate of getting people to hear the song that's in your head if all you can do is tap, okay? Now, I, I share those two because often in, you know, look, in times of transition where there's, there's people coming from different angles, sometimes the message doesn't seem to get across, does it? And, and this is, you know, a major challenge we have in a relationship between people, very finite, and God, is how do we get the message and where does it fit? And I think really that's what Jonah's about. So if we flick on here is the setting for Jonah, all right? And so Jonah's sort of over there in Jerusalem. I can't quite get to point to it. Maybe I can. I'll just clamber over the furniture. I'll try not to break anything in this lovely place that you got loaned. Um, okay, so he's sort of somewhere over there. He was a, a prophet to the northern kingdom. So by this time, the kingdoms had split north and south. And God sent him way up not the first river, but the second one, the first one's Euphrates, the second one's the Tigris, and way up there, which is kind of where um, modern-day Mosul is in Iraq, um, he got sent to Nineveh. Now, it was the first time a prophet had been sent to uh, uh, the, the other nation. Normally, they prophesied about the doom of the other nations to God's people. But Jonah was getting sent to go and take the message to these other people, and it didn't fit. And so instead, Jonah sort of goes down to Joppa, which is right on the coast, and then heads that way. So he's meant to be going that way, and he's going that way, famous, you know. And the book of Jonah is almost, you know, it's, it's a brilliant one for Sunday school, and it's sort of almost comedy. It's only four chapters long, and it's really, 
you know, really simple read, but there's so much in this little story. So we don't quite know exactly actually where Tarshish is. There's a number of theories. It might be in Sicily, it might be in Northern Africa, it might be in Southern Spain, that's the most popular one. But one of the things they sold it was tin, and the closest tin to Israel is in Cornwall. So either they were buying the tin from Cornwall, or it was all the way in Britain, and you can't get much further from the presence of the Lord than that. <laughs> but you know, wh wherever it was, Jonah was heading a long way that way, but didn't get there. Okay, so that's sort of the setting. And, and, and why is it, why would Jonah, when God, his job is to hear the word of God and deliver it, why when he heard it would he just go completely the opposite direction? And I think it's a, a similar thing as it were. I think it just didn't fit with his picture of what the message was supposed to be. Okay? So there's a few themes. If we look up the next one, there's a few sort of things that come up. Um, yeah, just whack the whole thing there. Brilliant. Um, so uh, in the beginning, uh, and I've, I've referenced it there. I won't go deep into all of the things. But the word of the Lord came. That's a really key theme that comes through the story of Jonah. At the very beginning, you know, God's word is being spoken now into time and space. And Jonah goes the other way. And then a little bit later, after he's been through the belly of a fish and got vomited out again, chapter 3, the word of the Lord came again. <laughs> you know, the whole narrative hangs between these two moments of God's spoken word. Um, in, in, in Greek, there's sort of three terms used for the word of God. Um, there's the logos, which is, you know, the living word, Jesus. There's, um, I can't remember the exact term for it, but it, it's what we translate scripture. And it's like the, the sum total of, you know, what's written down. But then rima is this thing of God's spoken word right now. It's like an utterance of God. It's, it's, it's consistent with the written word, but it's spoken right now into the situation. And the, the word faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's the rima. It's when God speaks right now into your circumstances that that's where suddenly you see things differently and faith comes. Or you think, no, that doesn't fit and you do what Jonah did, okay? And so this, is, I think, is the challenge. Now, God's sovereignty comes through the story again and again and again. Um, the Lord, you know, it, when Jonah's on the, the ship, I actually turned to a little bit of it, so he, <laughs> um, the ship sort of, you know, the storms come, you see God's sovereignty because it says God prepared a storm. The storm's there, it's all going a bit problematic, um, and uh, they're going around saying, okay, um, you know, th here's the, the, the captain, you know, uh, please tell us what causes this trouble on us? What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? That's verse sort of eight. In verse nine, it says, uh, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And they're like, oh, now we're really in trouble. And that's exactly what they said. It says, uh, the men were exceedingly afraid. So, you know, they were kind of a little bit worried beforehand, but now uh, you've angered the guy who created everything. Um, one of my friends in Jamaica, a pastor, Bobby Wilmot, he, 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 some t he talks about the passage that says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. humble. And uh, he, he goes, think about that. You know, if people resist you, you can go to the brethren for encouragement and, and pray. And, you know, you can find a way through. If the devil resists you, you can pray and you can storm the gates of heaven and God will. But if God resists you, Sharp luck, <laughs> you know, and it's just such a, you know, it's true, like, if God's in the way, it's not going to work, and this is pretty much what Jonah finds, because he doesn't get where he's trying to head to, he gets stuck, 
And, uh, and even the, it's lovely, these guys on this completely godless people who've been worshipping their idols, he says, what, what can we do? And they say, oh, chuck me overboard. And he's like, they're like, no, 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 let's try and beat this. We'll, we'll try. We're going to try and save your life. So they're rowing hard against this storm, and then they realize it's just fruitless. And so then they pray. And they say, God, don't charge us with this man's life. And then they fling him overboard. And they, you know, suddenly the, it's, the storm is calmed. And then they fear the Lord. And so you see, even through his disobedience, God is faithful. And God is using it to bring these people to know him. It's, it's, so you see God's sovereignty right through. And then it, the story is so funny. It goes on. So then Jonah eventually brings his message to Nineveh with a, after being in a God-prepared whale and then vomited out when the God spoke to the whale to do that. And then he goes there and the people repent. And it says it displeased Jonah greatly. He's really upset about this. And so he's saying, you know, 40 days and you're all going to be destroyed. And they repent, so they're not going to be destroyed. But he goes and sits outside the city waiting for the 40 days to watch. He wants to see the judgment fall on these other people. Now, this is actually a real serious enmity that this is, Nineveh is in Assyria. It wasn't the capital, but it was one of the most prominent cities, much like you know, Sydney is not the capital of Australia, but it's a very prominent city. It's like the Sydney of, you know, Assyria. And 80 years after Jonah, Assyria took away the northern kingdom. So they wiped out the people that he was, he was the prophet from the northern kingdom, and they wiped him out. So he's really gone right into the heart of the enemy here. And he's sitting there outside waiting for God to rain down judgment. And it says he built himself a little shelter, but he was still getting really faint, so it must not have been a very good one. But God sends a plant, grows up, and then God sends a worm to eat the plant, and it falls down again. And, th and for the third time in the story, Jonah's wishing that he was dead. He's a fairly grumpy prophet. Um, and the punchline of the whole book is this bit. Should I not, oh, sorry, go, yeah, we're there, yeah, should I not pity? You know, shouldn't I care about everyone I made? Shouldn't I care about all of creation? Shouldn't I care about the enemies as well as us? God's love for all creation is, is a real strong theme. You know, you see it with the guys on the ship, but then the punchline of the whole book is, shouldn't I care about everybody in all creation? Um, and really, ultimately, it's a story about light and darkness. You know, um, again, you can look up references if you want to later, but it's the light of knowing who the true God is versus the darkness of not knowing him. and The light comes shining through. That's really what this story ultimately um, is about. So I reckon that's why Jonah basically didn't want to, um, didn't want to go. You know, it, it, it didn't fit with his picture of the way the message should work. This, this, you know, it's supposed to be that God blesses his people, turns us to him, and the other people who are not doing the other things the right way, then they, he just you know, gets rid of them. Um, now, obviously, Jonah's the only person who'd ever mishear God's message, right? <laughs> well, let's have a flick on to the next one. Um, let's pick on the Pharisees to start with, because they're always easy game. Um, they, they had a particular view of the story of how it was going to work and where God was supposed to turn up and how they, how they were going to be central in it. All right? And um, uh, just some of the headings in the, the book of Luke. It's really funny. Um, 
One of the particular things about Pharisaism was, was purity, about keeping yourself, being a law keeper. You know, you were the guys who, who were God's people, and you were God's people because you did certain things the certain way. And they were very sincere people. And interestingly enough, actually, Jesus' moral teaching, of all the other people who spoke in Jesus' day, the zealots and the different you know, groups, Jesus' clo- teaching is actually closest to the Pharisees. So we think of them as horrible people, but actually th- th- they were good people trying to do good stuff, but they didn't recognize who he was and what he was doing. Um, so you have a look at, I mean, it's just funny, flicking through, I won't you know, read all this, but just some of the headings from when Jesus starts his ministry just doesn't fit with Phariseeism. So, um, uh, uh, you know, many healed after Sabbath sunset. Oof, that was a definite no-no. Jesus preached in Galilee. Well, that, get that sort of, that's the back of back of beyond, so it's not a really great place. Um, Jesus cleanses leper. Oof, not supposed to go anywhere near them. Um, uh, Jesus forgives and heals a paralytic. Oh, that's, that's someone unclean, something wrong with him, so better not go anywhere. Uh, Matthew, the tax collector. Oh, my goodness. Look at the company this guy's keeping. And then it sort of goes on. You know, he's Lord of the Sabbath. Oof, that's a rather, you know, scary claim. Um, you know, you flick. Th- I'm just looking at the headings now in my Bible. Um, uh, you know, Jesus raises the, the son of Nain, the, the son of the widow of Nain. So again, that's somebody who's outside of Israel and he's raising the wrong person. Um, a sinful woman, ooh, is forgiven. You know, just the headings alone of what Jesus is up to is really fighting against what they think should be the story. And so they're resisting it because it doesn't fit with their impression. All right? Um, they're actually not the only ones. So we bring up the next one, the disciples themselves. Really pivotal moment in the story was when they, Peter recognizes who Jesus is. You're the Messiah, the Son of God. And just after that, the next verse, Jesus says, the Son of Man must suffer, rejected, be killed, and rise again. And Peter rebukes him. The immediate response is, no, 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 that doesn't fit. Can't happen that way. The next chapter Jesus says again, the Son of Man is being betrayed, they'll kill him, but he'll rise. And immediately after, in the verses after that, there's this argument about who's the greatest. So, okay, he's, now he's heading to Jerusalem. The kingdom's going to come. Who, which one of us is going to be the greatest? Next chapter, Jesus says again, the Son of Man will be betrayed, condemned, mocked, scourged, spat on, killed, and will rise. And then, James and John, like, um, look, I know you got this thing going with Peter, but uh, you're an important guy. You're going to need a right-hand man. So I'm going to get my request in, in, my application in first. And you're a really important guy, so you need a right and a left-hand guy. And, and, and one of the versions says they sent the, the mother came to ask first. You know, it's, you know let's, make sure we get, let's make sure we get our boys in the most prominent positions here. And this thing, their idea of what's going to happen is totally different from what is in Jesus' head. And you can almost imagine having a chuckle. You want to be on my right and my left? Uh, There is going to be someone on either side there, but right now they're in a jail waiting till I get there and get in jail too. So so often what God is doing is different from the way we think it's going to be. Okay? So I have a little visual aid. So can I get two people to help please. Thank you very much. Joel, Joel's one. 
He's one. Who else? Oh, here we go. Brilliant. Okay. So, all right. So, what you guys are just going to do is hold it. Here's the story. Okay. So, if you you have the beginning and you get the end. There we go. All the way out. And then we can hold that up nice and high so people can hopefully see it. Oh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> so. This is a, basically what they expected. Was So in the very beginning, there was God and there was people. And we'll, we'll get God here too. There we go. So there's God, and he creates this beautiful world to be, represent himself. And at some point, the scripture doesn't tell us, exactly tell us where, darkness enters the world before people. Okay. Now, they should have sort of turned up here, but they wouldn't have shown up on the yellow if I put them there. But anyway, but so people are created to be with God, in fellowship with God, in closeness with God. As soon as they get here, they choose against it. Now, the good news is God's presence doesn't entirely leave creation. But the dominant theme of what we call this age in Scripture is darkness. Okay? And there's all these prophecies and promises and hopes and things like that that eventually God's kingdom will come and the whole world will be restored back to the way it should be. The fellowship, you know, people will respect it's not like God was never not in charge, but people will respect that, and there will be restoration, complete you know, healing and hope. And so they're expecting this guy to come and this whole new day to come about and complete change, justice, you're getting away with oppression, all these things, darkness to be done all together and light to come. What they don't expect is God to come as a king in the middle of history. Yeah, how silently, how silently, the wondrous <laughs> gift is given, mm-hmm. you know, this God that we've just been singing about all of Christmas, Jesus Lord at thy birth. So this God who becomes king right now in the middle of history, and this king, the life that will be forever, suddenly to break into the middle of history, is unexpected. Mm-hmm. That's not what they think is going to happen. And yet it is. Yeah, so keep that in your mind, Sammy, you guys can roll it up. Thank you very much. <laughs> mm. All right. So, oh, you're going to take it off, Thank you. You're going to change the story back again. Absolutely. That's uncomfortable, isn't it? The girl will actually be here in human history. <laughs> but, um, that's all right. It does that a bit. So here they are, essentially the the Pharisees and the disciples not seeing what God is actually doing. Now, like I said, that's the only people who would do that, isn't it? Right? None of us would ever do anything like that. Well, click the next one. Um, This is in Jamaica. This is, you know, some of the things we've been doing now, and I won't going to do a long time, but some of the things we've been able to do in there, there over the years have been remarkable. It's been really amazing to be on this journey with God. This setting, actually, just before this, there was a war between the community down the road and the community up the road. Um, in this particular community, five people died in a week before this festival. Five people lost their lives in the gang violence. Okay? We've been invited to, to come and help bring peace through running a community event. And we sort of said, yeah, let's go and give it a go. And, and when we turned up, a bunch of our teenagers in our teenage programs turned up, a lot of the adults were too sensible and decided not to. 
And so we went there with, with a small team and a bunch of teenagers to go and start painting kids' faces in a very, very tense situation. Mm. And it was amazing that like halfway through, one of these guys literally turned up with his gun, and it was a desert eagle for anyone who knows anything about handguns. It's a big gun, right? And he's looking at the people on the other side saying, hey, one man fire shot out of me yesterday. Like, one man tried to shoot at me yesterday. Um, <laughs> you know, and he's ready to deal with it. And the guy on the other side says, second on, second on, let the kids have the fun day, and we'll deal with you after. <laughs> right? And literally the whole community is there looking at this guy with his gun, and he's looking really nervous and insecure. And he's like, all right, we'll deal with it after. <laughs> and, and he walks, and it was like the, that was the signal that nothing's going to happen today. It's okay, yeah, it's nice. going to be safe. And more people then came and joined. And this is the very end where the, the guy on the NC there, the Jamaican guy, just said, let's just gather everybody together to pray. And let's pray for peace. And so this is this moment where they were praying for peace, and there was five months without any further violence in that community. You know? And so, it, and that's way back in 2006. So we've seen moments like this. Um, Flip on to this one. Uh, this was a, a Christmas <laughs> pageant, you know, getting all these kids dressed up as angels and all the rest of it. And then you flip on to the next one. This is outside a police station. And early that year, there had been a, a really bad situation where a gang leader had been arrested. And there had been a whole lot of violence. And this community was attacked, this police station, sorry, was attacked um, uh, and firebombed and all shot up and all this lot. And the, the, now the police were being the innkeeper. And Mary and Joseph came and knocked on the door of the police station. To ask if there was any room for um, Mary to have a baby, and 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 through that and a bunch of other things, those, those communities you can actually now pass peacefully in between. You know, we've seen God do amazing things over the years at different points, and um, where God has just come and met. Um, but at the beginning of 2018, we we, we had a run through 2017 where where Liz she loves this um, Brightwood Ann Boss camp that got this devotional pre-Christmas. And we've been looking at that and really, um, really having a, a Jesus-y, you know, anticipating Jesus, not just Rudolph, you know, and Santa and all that lot. So we've been working really hard to sort of have a Christ-focused Christmas. When we got to Christmas, um, we then got into the next year, I just suddenly realised I didn't have the gas in the tank to get back into the ministry of the There was something missing. And I went for a retreat, just you know, really grappling with God, what's going on here? I went for a retreat, I went way up in the mountains, and I was up on this path here on the right, and um, and I really had a sense that God was saying, You should be over there. So I followed the path I was on, and if you click the next one, it ends up to a big bushy dead end. <laughs> then I went back to the ridge, said, Okay, let me go all the way around and follow the other path. So I did that, and ended up to a waterfall. And it was such a, God often uses nature and me and the operation to speak to me. And it was such a word in, in season that something's missing, something's wrong. And for us in, in Fusion, I'd say that we had a mission was the centre of our existence, our life, rather than, and we're a mission centred community. That's what I was trying to make happen and make it be established. Yeah, I think we weren't really at the heart of a Christ centred community. Our identity was wrapped up in mission so much. <coughs> And so we, we decided to change it. Um, I was reading a book by Neil Cole. I love this quote. Come to believe that the health of any organisation is evaluated in direct proportion to its willingness to die. The more vested they are in self-preservation, the less health they'll have. The more willing to die so the kingdom can flourish, the healthier the organisation is. 
Um, you click on the next one. Um, now that's the, the passage about salt and light. Um, I won't read it because I know my time is getting close. So I just want to sort of get to this. So this essentially is where we, at the end of that year, sort of got to a fresh vision about what it meant to serve God in our context. And with the, for us, our measure was: Are we being, uh, are we establishing a mission organisation that's going to keep working? That was sort of what we were working towards. We thought was the measure. I don't know what yours is. I know for a while the church growth movement, the measure is how many people are coming through the door on a Sunday morning. Okay. I think a Christ-centered measure is a bit more: To what extent are we being a blessing to the multitude? Mm. To what extent are we helping people then engage in the teachings of Christ, the way of Christ, really learn how to live? And to what extent are we producing disciples, people who are carrying responsibility for their own walk and then for being out in our world, being a blessing and teaching the crowd? And, and it's, it's actually funny because I, I didn't design this, this is Graham again. Um, I would just sit there scribbling on a napkin and then Graham would send it back to me as an email like this. <laughs> But this thing of being light in the darkness, it, 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 it changed the nature of our work which went. And I don't have time to tell you all the stories of what changed as a result. But um, since then, God has just blessed in so many ways when we, we re-centered it around Him, opening up new ways to do ministry, new ways to reach out, um, uh, more effective, even things like um, you know, more, more, more donors suddenly saying, oh, can we actually help? And it's this funny thing, when I stopped trying to establish this ministry, it's like God has started to do more through it. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know to what extent that might be a word to you, um, and to what extent you might be trying to go the other direction. <laughs> but, um, but, but that's what I felt in my heart, is the guts of what I wanted to give to you. Mm. Um, there's one last side of that you should finish, which is not that one, that's a good one though, but this one. This was at the heart of what we were doing. We, we, We've got people in really small groups to spend time with their Bible and a bookmark and looking at some questions. And I've got a few of these bookmarks here, if anyone would like them. It's come out of a real prayerful journey. And if you want a late Christmas present, you're very welcome to have one. So that's where I ended. Um, God bless. And I'll hand over to whoever's next. Mm-hmm.